welcome to Garage Night, where you win some, you lose some. I'm Randall, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Jeff. And I'm Andy. And today we are going to talk about Andy's good luck with his cars, Jeff's bad luck with his cars, and Randy's awesome DeSoto bikes, and maybe we're going to touch on some Mustang stuff. That sounds uh, like the ones and twos and threes on on the day. Uh, so let's go ahead and just start off with the ride segments. Uh, Andy's had a uh, bummer's last few episodes, so we finally get to hear some good news uh, all around over uh, over at his place. So tell us uh, tell us about the Cobra. Yes, so we finally have a win over here. Um, the actually, as we speak right now, I just got the um, exhaust back from the manufacturer. Um, that was on the, we're supposed to get that actually Friday, but you know, shipping delays and whatnot. So I just got that today. That's going to go in this week. Um, that should be nice to get that all buttoned back up and, uh, running again. Um, it looks like they're, they kind of did a little bit of a redesign on the, the way that they put the solenoids together on this one. So hopefully that means that this fail so looking forward to putting that in sometime this week. Um, the misfire, I traced the misfire down to um, a bad pin on one of the um, coil on plug wires I was going through. I thought it was originally one of the, the COPs um, not working or working intermittently. So I started going through and testing them. And as soon as I got to the right front uh, cylinder, as soon as I touched the wire, it went all sorts of crazy. Um, went just started revving really high and then missing and then all sorts of stuff. And then it started wiggling the wires like, oh, that's not the coil. It's actually the wire that plugs into the coil. So that is straightened back out and hopefully no more issues with that. Did you get a chance to take it out and run it through its paces to make sure it was, it was uh, running right at all RPMs, you know, for safety. Oh yeah, yeah. Safe, safety test, you know, zero to seven thousand RPM runs flawlessly in all five gears. Uh, I, I, I didn't test six because we don't we don't have Mexico speed here. No, <laughs> that's actually a neat thing about those. I'm not sure if we touched on it. Uh, probably not in the past few months. So the transmission on that, because most Mustangs of that generation came with a a five speed, either the Tremec T5 or the Tremec. Uh, 3650, which was 01 to 04. Um, yeah, so the, the, the factory transmission that would have been a T45 in the 99, the 99 2000, which didn't have a Cobra model in 2000. Then the 01 Cobra had the 3650, like your bullet did. And then all the, uh, with a facelift in 01, all GTs got the 3650. Is that, is that Correct. right? Correct, yes. That's a much better transmission than the 45 was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But your Cobra is running a, um, I forget, is it is it a still a 3650? So it's... Because it's a six-speed. The six-speed, like the 0304 had the, had the T56 um, Tremec six-speed, but this actually has a, um, a T56 out of a Viper. So it's got different gearing in it. The way it's set up, it's got... Um, I don't remember the specifics on the gearing on it, but it's got the double overdrive six gear is actually a 0.56 gear. So it, it'll actually cruise at 70 miles an hour on the freeway at like 2,600 RPM and still gets like 28 miles a gallon cruising down the freeway. That's ridiculous because most cars uh, that are five or six speeds have a fourth that's straight through. Right. And then fifth is your overdrive. So is your is your fifth or fourth the, your straight through gear? It's fourth is still thr- is still straight through. Almost all transmissions are that way. Fourth is straight through, and then fifth is overdrive. Sixth is double overdrive. Okay, so instead of having one overdrive that's like a like a around a point seven to one, you have probably like an eight five, and then the the five six something like that. Something like that. I know. I know. Sixth is is point five zero. I don't remember what fifth is off the top of my head, but kind of splitting hairs at that point. 
Well, I mean, that's that's a really smart way of being able to get at least good highway mileage out of something with a because it's got the torque to run it even at low RPM. So right. utilizing that power. We uh we had a friend um that used to talk about uh Jeff's gonna remember these numbers a little bit better, wanted to uh build a big block that was gonna put out some crazy amount of power. And his idea was like a double overdrive to get really good mileage out of it. Do you remember it was like a four forty that he wanted to run um he thought he could run a, a, a ton of power. He's like, yeah, if I run a thousand foot pounds of torque, I can run like a like a a point three overdrive and, and save a bunch of save a bunch of fuel that way. I'm like, I don't remember that way. I don't remember who this was, but uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think they were saying because the the motor's under so little stress and it's you know a lot of oh, power man. just at idle. He's like, you basically just idle down the freeway. I'm like. I think there's a limit to that being yeah i don't know, useful. I don't know that's going to work quite as intended but it'd be an interesting experiment well i mean we got 10 speed cars and trucks running around on the regular now so you yeah. got to wonder where straight through is on those if they're triple overdrive or what good question i honestly don't know if anyone knows uh write in and tell us because uh Apparently, a search bar is too much work for us. Yeah, we're not searching. Um, we're not searching tonight. I'm glad that the uh, that the Mustang is up and running again. It's it's really a bummer when when you can't trace stuff down like those intermittent electrical issues. That's yep. kind of the worst. They're super annoying. Um. So yeah, hopefully, I'll get some videos when I get the um, exhaust buttoned up some point this week. Um, with it open and closed now, it does it does sound quite quite good with it uh, blocked off how I have it now, so I could drive it around. Um, with it truly blocked and not rattling or anything like that, like the, the failed solenoids, it actually sounds really good blocked off. But I'm dying to get it bolted back together and run it open again and get some videos of it. We'll see if we can get some sound samples in uh, in this episode or the next. That'd be fun. Yeah, we might be able to get it up before this episode goes out, so I will try. Cool, cool. Well, uh, additional good news: you just win after win uh, this week. Win after win, yeah. The uh, uh, PSL is is back up and running again. Um, so what, what was actually wrong with it then? Cause you, it, the brake pedal was just going to the floor and you replaced the, the slave cylinder. Is that, is that accurate? You did replace the, uh, no. So what it went to the floor and there was no sign of like any hoses cut or any leaks anywhere or any other major malfunctions. So, um, we kind of came to the conclusion it was the master cylinder. So like my, that was kind of fun. I actually hunted around. I had to go to three different places to get the right master cylinder. Uh, got that replaced. Um, got that replaced and put it all back together and still had kind of a really bad, almost not any better pedal after putting it all together and bleeding it. Um, we ended up um, completely flushing the system too because we me <laughs> um put the wrong brake fluid in it apparently which isn't super super hard like super critically bad but bad enough to the point to um warrant draining it all out so apparently they're supposed to take dot three and i put dot four in it so my mistake but that wasn't um causing the issue of the brake pedal not functioning it just needed to be bled a couple more times it i just didn't have it good enough um to begin with we bled out um yeah we rebled basically the whole system um which was kind of fun too so we going to the left rear caliper so we did the right rear and we went over to do the left rear and I went to crack the bleeder screw on the left rear 
Well, the Bleeders crew decided to not want to play nice, and it just twisted off. As in, it just no. sheared off when we tried to crack it open. So, so we, it, it luckily it didn't, it didn't open, but half the bleeder is still in the caliber, but closed. So basically we said, well, if we get a good enough pedal, we're just going to leave it because we're not about to replace that caliper. And I'm not about to screw with trying to dig it out of there. So would you have to kind of, would, would you easy out that and then uh, try and like helicoil if you need to? Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't even, I, I thought about just trying to like, it was pretty, that the bleeder screw is just kind of pretty soft aluminum. I thought I could just, if I had to, I could just run a screw in or something behind it to try and grab it and then thread it out. And if I had to, you know, clean the thread up or something, I could, but. Um, did it snap part way out or did it just. No, it, it just, it sheared as soon as we tried to break it loose. Oh. So the whole the, the top bit of it that's you know sticking out from the caliper that's exposed is just mm-hmm. sheared off. Um, but yeah, luckily I have the same issue with my uh, with my Bronco bleeder screw in the yeah. past. But yeah, luckily it it stayed closed, so we just figured, well, if we can if we can bleed the other three corners good enough, and we get a good pedal that you know we won't worry about it. And if there's an issue later on, it wasn't likely just have to replace the caliper, but. Um, I wasn't about to start looking for a new one because it's being it's the SVT focus. It's um, you know specific to that. It's not just general focus parts. So um, it's it's specific to the SVT trim. Um, the the non SVTs have I believe they have drum rear brakes and the SVTs have discs. So it's a completely different caliper. Um, it might be something you could always take to a machine shop. They might be able to pull out for you pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, if, if it was an issue, um, if it was an issue in the future or something, I mean, I probably could, but um, luckily we, we bled everything, um, got a good pedal, and it's been pretty solid. I've driven it for a couple of days now, and it's been pretty solid, so I'm not worried about it. So you think it just needed bled? Was that pretty much It just needed to be bled again, yeah. You kind of hate and love when it's a small issue like that, because on one hand, you're like, well... I just didn't have gas in the tank. The battery was dead, but it's on the other hand, it's an easy fix and it's fixed and it's running. It's like, Ooh, that's really nice. It's just, you know, instead of uh, being, you know, $1,500 and complicated, it just, Oh, just bleed it and move on. Right. Um, Well, we were at it too. My parents were over this weekend and my dad was nice enough to bring me a new compressor for the focus as well too. AC compressor. Yep. Nice. Yeah. The, we don't know why, but when, when I bought the car a couple of years ago, um, we had put a compressor on it and I didn't drive the car for about a year. And after I had gotten it, um, it, that, that compressor that was on there, that new one that we got was on there for a year and change maybe, but I mean, it had less than 2000 miles of, drive time on it and it failed for some reason. Um, we couldn't figure out why when I mean, we, tr- we were <clears throat> troubleshooting everything with it and it just, it just wasn't, wasn't staying engaged. It was just clicking in and out, in and out. Weird. Yeah. So we, we pulled that off. Uh, actually it's really nice and easy to get to on the, on the focus. Um, it's, Four four bolts and a and a connection at the back and it just drops out of there. So we replaced that too, or recharged it, and it actually get it gets. After I came out of work today, it was probably about ninety today, and it was ice cold within like a minute. Ooh, nice. which is nice. Yeah. yeah, when you finally get AC back in a vehicle, I did that with the Ranger. It's so nice. I feel I swear it's colder. Uh, than you know your regular vehicle. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it. I usually always drive in the in the heat with it on like full blast. I actually had to turn it down. It was too cold. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that so winds all around for the Fords today. 
That's that's awesome to hear because it's 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 like oh man, it felt like it was one thing after another, and the hits kept coming. But uh, the fact that you got all the big problems pretty much sorted, you just got to get the uh, exhaust butterflies back working. But you've got them closed, so really no uh, no major problems. Uh, knock on wood. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. In it. Well, um, I guess we if. If you don't have anything further, we'll uh, we'll go to Bummer Town, <laughs> and we'll say that's, negative that's, Nancy. That must be me. <laughs> our our own pillar of salt. Pillar of salt. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it's, it's great. I didn't have to say his name. He, uh, yeah, he responded, <laughs> responded to it. So, uh, what's the uh, what's the deal, Jeff? Oh, um, well. It's not as it's not as bad as we're making it sound, but uh, it's yeah, it's worse. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, just you know, looking over, you know, going over my truck, looking at the paint a little closer, just finding some issues, um, hoping that um, you know I'm taking it back to the guy who painted it. And he's gonna take a look at it, um, see if he can buff some of the stuff out. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to or not, but uh, you know just kind of disappointing after, you know, spend a lot of money to, to see paint issues. So I'm hoping that, hoping it comes out with buffing, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, I guess on the, on the, on another bad front, I got uh, my tailgate panel back and um, it's a little panel that, that covers up the uh, rear glass kind of in the tailgate in the, in the Broncos. And uh, you know, it was a little rusty um, on the inside. And so he sent it out to sandblast and that just, peppered the whole thing with holes so um had to get another one of those and uh you know repaint it and everything and so got that and you know just more money and stuff and um but uh, i got my map pockets done those look pretty nice um you know and uh basically now i, I got some subwoofers for the rear that i'm going to mount in the quarter panels and you know that thing's <clears throat> pretty much ready to slapped together, put some quarter panels on it, some rear quarter panels on it. And uh, unfortunately, when I pulled my, I bought some, what appeared to be at the time I bought them on eBay, really, really nice, like pristine uh, rear quarter panels. And I was like, cool, let's just throw those on. I never opened them for, I've had them up there, the attic, had them in the attic for a few years, but I've had them for probably six, maybe seven years. Um, I opened them up and they're not even where near as nice as they looked in the pictures. So probably should open them sooner. But, Are those uh, interior yeah. panels, like behind the yeah. rear wheels? Yeah, correct. Yeah, they're interior panels, so they're like the vinyl, you know, kind of snap in and stuff. And uh, yeah, they just—they don't—they're not nearly as nice as uh, I'd hope they would be. But um, but yeah, other than that, you know. Uh, oh, and and the other great news, um, I noticed my truck has been uh, has been tapping um, when it gets warmed up. There's a nice little tap uh, somewhere. Uh, at the back side of the on the passenger bank, I believe maybe it's maybe it's the center. I'm not quite sure. And uh, unfortunately, I believe I'm having trouble pinpointing it um, because when you're under the hood and you you get your stethoscope out, and I you know I can't find an exhaust leak, I can't find a lifter tick or a rod knock or a valve train tick, anything. But when you're out driving it, and you can hear it. So I'm really not sure what's going on there. Um, but uh, it doesn't make me feel good taking the thing on long trips when I hear a little tappy tap, you know. Um, and it doesn't sound like a like a fan blade. Doesn't to me. Um, you know, I did I did replace the clutch fan, but this was this was happening, uh, you know, a little while ago, um, and I just I, it was kind of faint, and I didn't really think much of it. Um, but the more I, you know, the, and when I say a little while ago, it was probably two three weeks ago. I I, I remember hearing it driving. I was like, that's weird. I just put it out of my mind. And then, uh, you know, the more I listen to it, the more obvious it's becoming. Um, I don't know if it's getting louder or if I'm just paying attention, listening for it now. But, uh, you know, it's definitely there. It's definitely something. I just don't know what it is. Um, and it seems to only do it once the truck's warm. So uh, it doesn't, it's not heavy and, and deep sounding like a knock. Um, it sounds more to me like maybe a lifter. But uh, the weird thing is, is, you know, under no load or well no i shouldn't say no load like on the freeway you can hear it and under engine braking you can hear it 
but uh you know you can't really hear it just idling there or when it's cold so um i don't know it's just kind of a strange thing so i guess i'll just keep driving and see what breaks and then i can fix it when it breaks <laughs> but uh, that truck's always had you know before we rebooked the engine 10 years ago um, it's always had issues with lifter ticks um i guess it's just back to kind of par for the course with the stupid 400 so um probably should have thrown a better engine in there when i had the whole thing apart but uh you know whatever um so yeah all good news there <laughs> other than that the uh yeah the other cars are doing great um mustang's up for sale so all the uh, transmission bolts are all hooked up. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> um, I'm pretty beat up after our dirt bike ride, so I for, I've been forgetful. But uh, yeah, I went to look under the truck to see if I can identify the knock. And, uh, you know, my dad was like, well, maybe it's a torque converter bolt. So I pulled the inspection cover off and, nope, they're all tightened. You know, and, uh, flex plate felt solid. I didn't feel any looseness or anything. And, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, there's no transmission bolts holding this thing in. That's good. Like, like the support bolts? So um, the transmission cross member kind of goes up over the frame rails on these trucks and comes back down and swoops under the transmission. And then the transmission has this little metal plate with pivot on it and uh, bushing. And uh, it's the plate that mounts to the cross member that actually locks the transmission from sliding left to right or any of that that uh, was had no bolts in it at all. So was it being held up simply by like uh, bell housing and the rear uh, drive line, or was no? It the the cross member was still supporting it, but uh, it wasn't locating it. So if okay, I so it was just resting on it. It was just resting on it. Yeah. So you go over a speed bump, it could have lifted up and slammed down, or you know, if you uh, were going around a corner, it would slide to one side and flex the motor mounts to the to one side or the other. Um, but you know, fortunately on these trucks, the motor mounts are pretty, pretty beefy, but, uh, but yeah, that was pretty good news to see that the great transmission guy that I had did such a wonderful job, you know, uh, making sure everything was safe and ready to go back on the road. Are you ever going to let someone else touch this truck again? I don't know. <laughs> you, know. you were very, ad yeah, I would agree. He's, he was so adamantly against ever letting anyone touch the truck to begin with. And everything he's let them touch in the past 12 months has ended with aggravation from the interior to the paint to the transmissions just been yeah like a nightmare yeah i mean it's, i don't know maybe my expectations are too high or maybe no transmission uh, bolts should be reattached i feel like it's yeah. i feel like it's the the persona of the truck yelling at you to put the visor back on it might be <laughs> it might be you might be right <laughs> I would never have thought you would have said you wanted the visor back on that truck. I like the visor on that truck. That's the only truck I've ever liked the visor on. I'm, I'm <laughs> with you, Andy. I, I hate visors on trucks, uh, but that one, it's, I mean, it's, it's not unlike uh, I had a glass pack on the Ranger and I just got, I just got attached to it, even though they're terrible. Mm -hmm. I just got used to that sound. It was weird when it was gone. I put an actual exhaust system on it. Uh, that does kind of, I, I want to tangent just for a minute. Do you guys have something like that for all of your vehicles that there's like a weird idiosyncrasy that you would, you would have missed like the bullet. I kind of didn't want to fix the dome light because the dome light never worked. That was kind of it's, it's differentiator for me. Um, Jeff, I would assume the Mustang is the crooked fog light. Um, I don't know. There's not much on the Mustang that, uh, that calls out to me, but, um, well, the stripes, like if you had it repainted without the hmm. two blue stripes on it. Yeah. The stripes are, are, are kind of like have grown to be part of that car, I guess. Yeah. Like something you may, maybe didn't like at first, but would, would now miss. Cause I've had that with, mm -hmm. with most all of my vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had, uh, my red truck, uh, my first one had a, uh, like barbed wire pinstripe uh, tape on it, which <laughs> sounds super trashy, but it really kind of gave it the character along with the chrome uh, uh, rock 
rock guard uh, on on the bottom Ooh, of the doors and yeah. stuff. Like, all these sound really bad, but the truck came together well. That was um, the so red was kinda, one, right? That was the red one, yeah, that I, I, I murdered um, unceremoniously. Um, so do you guys have anything uh, like that come to, come to mind? Yeah. Um, a weird one would be the uh, when I was in high school, I replaced the Bronco carpet. And the carpet was just trashed, but it smelled kind of old and musty. And whenever I was in the truck, I always remember that smell. Uh, so I don't know. That was one of the things. Um, you know, I tried not to mess with the Falcon too much because I think it has just so much personality as it is. All the squeaks and rattles and, you know, slow putt-putt, you know, power. Like, I don't know, it just that whole thing I've tried to leave alone because of, because of that. But, uh, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. And so the, the Falcon's kind of an entire car of, uh, interesting quirks that aren't necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably why I like it probably more than the rest of my vehicle. So I think that kind of stuff can give a vehicle a character and a life and a, not, not to get too, too, weird but like an attitude and a uh uh an individuality to it oh yeah 100 percent. fully agree with you yeah that's that's kind of what makes them brings them to life for you that makes you want to keep them longer they feel more like a family member than they do just a piece of transportation um so i don't think i necessarily have one I, I certainly don't for the DeSoto yet. You know, it's it's it hasn't really revealed everything's just a problem so far. But like the the five series, I'm trying to think if there's anything at this stage that I would consider to be um kind of out of the ordinary that I would that I would keep. Um I don't I don't think I've really run across anything uh yet for that. Um but yeah, the the blue truck I kind of already stated it has some, it has plenty of plenty of quirks like that about it. Um, like I think I'm going to keep the old radio in it. Uh, it's oh, not yeah. the stock one, but it's one that I put in when I was in high school. Um, and it had a 31 pin iPod connector, the long skinny one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, which I continued to use until my third generation iPod was stolen out of the glove box. And so I've thought, well, I should probably uh, at least change the cable out. But I think at the end of the day, I'm just going to buy another old iPod and <laughs> find a way to shove music on it and do that instead. Because just the faceplate doesn't dim. So at night, you have to actually stuff something up in that. Because when they put those single din units into a double din space, they have to put spacers in there. Yeah. Uh, Above, I have like a spot that my phone and my wallet would sit in uh, just barely. And so um, like my now wife, when she would drive it uh, to college, she would hang a sock and like shove a sock in there to hang over the buttons so that it wasn't blinding yeah. light pollution because <laughs> you literally couldn't see. So you had to turn it off or pull the faceplate off to uh, to drive at night. Um, so that's that that would probably be the one that I might end up keeping which i i shouldn't but uh i don't know it kind of makes it interesting so i know andy you must have some of this at least for the uh v6 if not your more uh current stuff and the of course the escort is nothing but (laughs) the the escort has all sorts of quirks to it that's that was the motto of the car Hmm. um did I did I tell you the whole uh, story about the escort? I mean, we've we've definitely touched on it, but if there's a if there's a good story, there, I'm happy to sit back and hear. So there's the 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 final chapter of the escort, okay? Ready for this? So I I told my dad, um, you know, hang on to it for a bit for me. He so you know he bought it he bought it back from the gal he sold it to. Um so he was kind of cleaning it up and he was hanging on to it for me in case I wanted it um, as a, I was, you know, a drive a driver for out here. Uh, I was trying to get rid of the Mazda for a while that, or possibly 
Um, we had talked about using it for a gambler car and a couple months had passed about not. And we're like, okay, whatever. It's time to move on from it. Um, so he put it for sale, um, <clears throat> put it for sale, um, wrote on it with, you know, shoe polish on the back window. And it was sitting on the street by his house and said 700 bucks, you know, come get it. And it was out there for no less than a day. And one of the neighbors uh, saw it and came to talk to him and said, Hey, I need a, um, needed a car for their kid. They kid had just wrecked their car and they were going to spend 500 bucks, but you know, 700 bucks and it looked really good. You know, as, as my dad does, you know, makes it, makes everything look really nice and well maintained, you know, and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you 700 bucks for it. Right. So it sold after being out in front of his house for no less than a day and not even put on, on, you know, any Craigslist or any ad source of any sort. Right. So he calls me and calls me the next day. He says, Hey, you're not going to believe this. I said, okay, what? He says, I sold the escort, cleaned it up and put it for sale for 700 bucks and, Neighbors came and bought it, right? I said, "Oh, okay, neat." He says, "Here's what you're not going to believe. It's for their, it's for their son." Okay, what's so funny about that? Their son lives in Cuna, where I live, six and a half hours away from them. What now <laughs> resides Chances. mere miles from me? Oh man, you're going to have a sighting. I that. know. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. That's that's incredible. <laughs> Just what are the chances? Yeah, what are the that, chances it's going to this? You know, your dad's town? neighbor, hundreds of miles away. That's that's uh, a small world. Yeah, like they say. Exactly. So yeah, oh, the final saga for the escort. <laughs> you better have a like a Craigslist or a Facebook Marketplace notification set up for that year of escort. If it ever pops up. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Wow. Yeah. That thing is just full of, uh, full of uniqueness to it that, you know, you kind of engineered in so many uh, things. Cause I'm sure your, your dad probably didn't sell it with the, uh, flapper victory pipe. No, he, he reverted it back to pure stock. <laughs> got rid of, got rid of all the fun toys. Is there, I probably wouldn't have sold at least not not over here as it was, but in Portland it probably would have sold. I mean, there was enough. It had been to RDM enough times that somebody down there would have bought it for probably more than seven hundred bucks. <laughs> being honest, uh, since it was referenced, um, first of all, I think you need to put a dollar in the swear jar. Uh, <laughs> do you guys want to explain what R, what RDM is for those of us those listeners not in the Pacific Northwest? RDM is. They meet every Sunday in Portland. It's called the Red Door Meet. It's basically um, a couple blocks off the waterfront in downtown Portland. Um, a giant car meet that goes, depending on the on the weather, an hour to all hours of the night. And it is literally blocks long. And you will see everything from the Escort to a Viper, to anything in between. I mean, every every car club has been there. All the, like, you know, uh, Portland. You know, there's multiple Mustang clubs. There's Mopar clubs. There's the Subaru clubs. There's you know, everything, everything and anything. If it's car related, every possible, you know, genre, everything, every every niche in the car world, you will see there. It's a uh, it's a lot of the stance nation crowd it is it is predominant yes but it's it's predominantly uh the slammed crews with their hondas and their uh, subarus cruising up and down there that's the vast majority of what you see but uh you get a lot of different stuff coming in there and usually it's the other stuff that's more interesting yeah it's it's at first it was fun kind of going um when it started you know to going every week or so but it kind of um it did kind of level up to to that that kind of a scene like jeff was saying um where we would go what more like once a month or so maybe just to see some stuff because it was a lot of the same i was at uh once a summer there towards the end i think yeah <laughs> it's like i'll go i'll go once a summer because usually summer on the on the nice days 
especially if, we, if it's like the first nice day in a while, it will be a huge showing. It'll be, it'll be 10 to 12 blocks full of cars. Oh yeah. And uh, music and, you know, but you got to be careful because you get a lot of different people there and, uh, you know, people can be reckless or just not paying attention or so overwhelmed with whatever else is going on that they'll run into other people, like people's cars and stuff. Um, yeah, it can be, uh, it can be hairy in that way. And just a lot of people kind of, uh, in one place, sometimes the foot traffic can be to the point that you're almost trapped in there. And it's, yeah. uh, like they said, it's multiple blocks, but it's not like city blocks. It's kind of a, an old warehouse district, uh, and it goes under a couple of bridges. Um, so definitely it's a, it's a bit of a maze. Yeah, it, def- it definitely does get, um, get packed in there. There is a lot of foot traffic. Um, but we'll, we'll reference RDM from time to time. And that's, we that's basically just what we mean is a, uh, predominantly, uh, stance nation, uh, sort of a, sort of a joke. If we, if we say that it's usually quippy, um, but you know we're just we're happy that people are doing the activity if it's not our our cup of tea it's fine enjoy your thing but you know that's that's uh what we generally mean by that but yeah it would fit in at rdm the the escort with all of its uh different baubles uh, that it's had throughout there were the more years, people down there styro, styrofoam dinosaur there were more people down there interested in, in the escort than there ever was in either the the Fobra or the Cobra, for that matter. Mm-hmm. They like weird. Yeah, like, it's a very Portland, you know? non-normal, weird culture. That's where the interest is. Uh, do you have anything uh, anything else going on in your garage there, Andy? Um, I do not. Okay. Um, I've done... Uh, one or two things. Uh, more accurately, Jeff's done things. <laughs> um, so I got the distributor pulled out of the um, DeSoto and then got pulled away. And the next day went out there and monkeyed with the Dizzy on the up on the workbench a little bit more um, until I got frustrated and was worried I was damaging the points uh, more than more than helping. Uh, so wisely, after asking me three times and me saying, no, I haven't fixed it yet, uh, Jeff offered to come up and help with the DeSoto. Um, and so he, he ran up and after, what do you think, 10 minutes of like diligently working on the distributor, you probably finally got it back together? Yeah, it was about 10 minutes. It was it was. It was just uh, kind of trickery of uh, getting getting all of the things lined up, and uh, it's not an easy uh, point system to change. We didn't, you know, being Dodge, they didn't really think things through. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, I understand your frustrations with it, so I'll just because you've that. worked on quite a few vehicles now with points, and you've always said, "Oh, points." is over overblown. It's not a big deal, but if the DeSoto and the the Chrysler system that I'm dealing with is what most people, you know, are referring to when they say that you don't want a car with points, that seems a little more understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I have been around a few point systems, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've been around a lot, but I've been around, you know, both my bikes had it and my, um, my Falcon has it, um, and still does have it. I've seen a few of the old vintage, uh, dual point distributors and stuff. And, you know, generally they're pretty simple and easy to work on, easy to adjust. You know, they're, you know, they're, the old cars were meant to be tuned up by guys like us in their garage and can just tweak it, um, get them running just, just fine. And, uh, you know, the way that they positioned, the way they designed it on your car, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Um, they weren't. They really weren't. Like, honestly, you know, if it if it 
if there was a way to make an access hole so you could actually get a wrench on it or something, you know, through the side of the distributor, that would be pretty rad. But it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it just didn't, it, the way that they have that set up. Um, so if you can, for the listeners, the few that are hanging in there left, um, if you can envision the uh, distributor shaft coming out of the block, um, the bolt to hold the points down is perpendicular to that. So it's going across the distributor and it's nearly against the edge of the inside of the distributor. So you can't get like on my Falcon where you can just secure it with a flathead screwdriver straight down to the points plate. Um, you can't do that on the Soto. It's, it's 90 degrees to that. So you have to, you have to completely change how it's, like you have to use a wrench um, to secure it. And because it's positive ground, like you have a, um, I don't know, it's just, you have like this weird extra ground strap. I don't know if that's because it's positive ground or not, but I've never seen it, that. It's got a metal, metal arch spring. And then uh, on top of ground. that is, is a copper one. Yeah. Um, so you have to line both of those up and the U-shaped cutout to put the bolt on is Ma- orders of magnitude wider than the shaft of the bolt. So mm-hmm. it tries to move around and it tries to pop up and over. And at the same time, you're trying to get two um, U-shaped uh, wire terminals also in there to power it to yeah. for the condenser and to actually power the points, um, which is, is bonkers that why do you have that copper strap if that's not what is powering the points so you're trying to fit four things into this perpendicular screw and so you're trying to hold all these down with with one thumb while you're trying to tighten down this tiny bolt that there's no room to work in there and you have to pull the distributor out of the out of the block you have to you crawling around in there trying to do it was absolutely asinine to even try um, yeah, but, I think I really think I have to think that your car was missing a part or something. Maybe, um, I'm or thinking, maybe the stock points um, was a more self-contained, and uh, you know was put, went together easier because there's no way that people were doing it this way. Yeah, I think you know you, you ever see. Uh, I know you're a little familiar with motorcycles, but um, on uh, you know how they have like. Um, I think that they, I'm trying to remember what motorcycles I've seen it on, but you know, they have some of them on the battery connections. They'll have like a small flat plate that you cinch down and it, and it like clamps the battery terminal. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It's like a square washer. Uh, I'm almost wondering if maybe it had something like that on it where, you know, for that wider points connection um, or that wider tang there that as you screwed it down that plate would clamp that um and then the uh, maybe the uh, the other two wires for the condenser um sat on the other side of that plate possibly i'm not sure it's it's possible uh long story short shorter at least we uh we got the distributor put together put it back in make sure everything was hooked up and uh, then the moment of truth, which is always more nail biting because of the six volt system. Um, so I got in and I turned it over and do boom, do boom, do boom. And that thing turned 20, 25, 30 times. And I'm like, well, it's not working. But Jeff's like, keep going, keep going. And it finally, around 30 rotations, which take forever, it finally <laughs> fired up. It's Six just ex- <laughs> excruciating. Because uh, I kept thinking, I'm like, every time it turns over and doesn't fire, it's, you know, it sounds no different. It's not like it's popping and trying. It was sounding the way it was before. Um, but, you know, old car sits, old car don't run. So... Uh, we got it to start. I spun it around in its parking spot and kind of lined it up better. And um, there it has sat because I've been uh, working on uh, motorcycle stuff since that day. Um, 
and a vacation for mountain biking and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I look forward to later this week uh, taking it at least down to fill it up with gas and, and put a, a better charge on the battery. So that's up and running. Uh, it's a miracle. Uh, so at least one so far. You're getting it for Tronics, right? Yeah, so I think we kind of decided that, which, <laughs> you know, Jeff, you wouldn't think would be one to, to <laughs> you know, find that acceptable, but we're worried that what happened last time, it tearing the points off of that uh, bolt is going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, there's unless, no reason. Unless there's a better solution out there, I just don't see the point in fighting it, you know? What, what was that, Jeff? You don't see no. the... Point. Don't see the the points. Do you see the condenser? So, um, yeah, probably going to put a Protronics electronic unit in there uh, because I put one of those in before on a vehicle and it was super easy. Uh, So, of course, it's going to be harder on this Chrysler, but, you know, uh, everyone gets to make one mistake. I bought a Yamaha one time, too. We all make (laughs) mistakes. Oh, buddy. <laughs> as long as you don't do it twice, you're fine. Um, so, yeah, um, completely lost my my, my train of thought. Uh, boy, howdy. <laughs> so I'm going to get the Pertronics unit in there, and then I can just start it, and it'll go. That's one less thing to worry about. Um, but we're still kind of deciding if if we should swap the whole thing over to a 12 volt uh, negative ground, or if that's, you know, maybe a bigger, bigger thing than we should take on, but that might be something on the uh, horizon. I think, I think Petronics makes both six volt and 12 volt kits, right? They, they do. And, and if I, if I end up changing all the wiring over, I'll, I'll just change that over as well. They're not too expensive. I think they're only like what a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, so I'll spend that to to work on it to be able to drive it now because that's yeah. the important thing is to keep driving it. And always, uh, as with any old car, always take whatever parts you take off and put them in a uh, in a box or in the glove box or something, so you have them. Like you take a you replace a fan belt, you put that in the back of the car, so in case that new fan belt breaks, you have the old one put on on the side of the road. At least enough to get you yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my what I've done with all all my old cars. If I, uh, uh, you know, especially like my Falcon, I'll uh, I put a new fan belt on that, and so the old ones in the trunk. I put new spark plug wires on it, so all of them are in the trunk. I put new points on it, so that's in the glove box. The old ones, condensers in the old condensers in the glove box, like all of that stuff. So the takeaway from this episode is: if you have an old car, fill the trunk with a half of that old car yes, yes exactly yes. yeah that's just that's just hot rotting <laughs> that that's just getting home yes <laughs> half the time that's what hot rotting turns into there's nothing worse yep. than getting yep. stuck on the 205 bridge in traffic uh that's pretty damn true yeah we've all been we've all been stranded uh by our vehicles uh at one point or another um, do you guys have any good stories about uh, being stranded? Oh, because, I, I, th- I think by um, far the best one is is uh, is the uh, Fobra violently saying no to upgrading the sound system. Right, Jeff? I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I was almost going to say that. So can you, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm aware of this story. So, <laughs> so we Jeff and Andy have to do another story time. Another story time. All right, here we go. Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong somewhere, but here we go. So um, I was going to meet Jeff at a stereo shop kind of um, out in his neck of the woods in uh, in southeast Portland. And it's kind of actually was close to where I was working at the time. Um, we were going to look at some, you know, subs and amps and whatnot and um, – upgrading the sound system on the the old six banger um and it kind of i'd kind of left it stock for a long time i had put some aftermarket speakers in it just for a little bit better sound quality because the the factory ones had blown out a long time ago so that's all that we had done to it um 
so we were going out. It kind of it's kind of the last thing that I really was going to do to that car um, for a long time. <clears throat> um, so because you would have the engine done, no, or no, no, it wasn't. No, done this yet. is what spawned the the wild. You know, yeah, it. that's um, right. But it moved pretty good. It was it fun. Was, car. It was pretty decent at, at this point. It had. I can't remember. I think it still had. I want to say it still had three seventy threes in it at that time because it. Had, I had just come home from college with it. This is before, yeah, because yeah, after the motor got done was when we put four tens in it. Um, but it still it was it, it moved pretty decently. It had a lot of suspension stuff done to it, and it it handled fairly decently at the time. But regardless, all all that the motor had was it had um, it had like a. Uh, a fairly aggressive cam in it, exhaust, um, roller rockers, and um, pretty pretty heavily ported intake on it. Um, I mean, not, not significant power on a sixer, but you know, it was it was to the point where it was fun and it sounded decent for you know a little six banger um, Mustang. So going out to meet Jeff at the stereo shop, uh, I get to about two two blocks away from the uh from the stereo shop and turn the corner and get onto the main street headed towards the place and i look down and i go hmm why are the dash lights on hmm why did my oil pressure gauge just go to zero? Oh, tick 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 clack clack boom motor gone That was pretty exciting. And then you called me because I was sitting at the stereo shop. I yeah. believe. Yeah. I, I, and I was in my Bronco. Yeah, he was in the Bronco. And I, I, luckily, with the white was green, and I was able to coast through the intersection. Um, you know, so as soon as I looked down and saw it had zero load pressure, I shut the car off. I was like, well, hopefully it's not too much damage yet, but I guess we'll find out. And he was able to coast through the intersection into the parking lot of the place. And he just like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, pretty sure the motor just went up. He's like, what? <laughs> I think I had a tow strap in yep. the back. Um, and uh, didn't I tow you? Did I tow you home? Um, no, I think we towed it over to the, the the body shop. Is that where we towed it? It would be pretty close to where said body shop yeah. is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we towed yeah. it to the body shop and then we eventually put it on the trailer. I don't remember how we got it out to the shop. Yeah, I don't Is this 2008, 2009 at this point? Yeah, something like that. It had to have been uh, 2009 because we met in 2009 or 2008. 2008. Yeah. And it was at least 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah. Probably. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty bad, bad letdown. Yep. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Oh, so- and that come to find out that whole thing was spawned by the lack of a little spacer <laughs> between um, the gear on the front of the cam and the block. <laughs> it was the thrust plate, right? For the cam or something yep, like that. There was, there was no, uh, um, we didn't get the spacer in there. So basically the cam was walking this whole time, you know, about a quarter of an inch back and forth. And that was enough to break the bolts off and completely just, destroy the whole front end of the motor and grenade everything and make the oil pump fit. And it held together for what? 40,000 miles? To what now? It held together for what? 40,000 miles? Uh, probably about 20. Yeah. 20. Still yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. That should have gone a, a tank and then been, uh, been done. So there's at least yeah, you made that yeah. long. Yeah. And so is it directly after that that it went to a stroker yep. motor or was that? Because yep. I thought you dropped a valve in no. the motor at one point. Nope. Um, and I I also argued vehemently that he should keep the V6 because it would be interesting. So blame me. For yeah, that. Jeff gets credit for that. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting and unique. And by the time you had that V6 done it was about as fast as a bone stock uh bullet once or twice <laughs> yep. if you perfect if you shifted perfectly and the bullet misshifted 
<laughs> even even when I didn't miss shift, um, he was he was right there. I think I was running thirteen nines at one hundred one, and you were running like fourteen. That- Oh, six and stuff. Yeah, like the, you were... the car never officially cracked thir- in the thirteens on the track with it. But you were fourteen. It dead, was. It basically. was never. I think one was. Yeah, like... it was dead, and it was consistent. The problem was it was never really set up to run the track. Especially anybody who's run Portland knows how crappy the track prep is at Portland. But the <clears throat> the rear suspension the quadrobine on the rear suspension was so bad it never got to really fix it. So it never, basically it never took off, never launched right. It would always wheel. Well, you shouldn't have taken those quad shocks. I never off, had quad bud. shocks, bud. I, I put, I put solid put, uppers in it. My dumbass put solid uppers in it yeah. before I knew better. That was his fault. Yeah, he didn't, he, he made the articulation way worse. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the uppers were failed, so it was better than nothing, but... You know, I, I I knew later that it needed to go to a, a panhard setup, but it just never it never made it to that point, unfortunately. And hey, my car, my Fox has never broken fifteen. So. <laughs> well, maybe maybe if you didn't have one hundred and fifty pounds of subwoofer and amp in the truck, I, I bet if you I bet if you disconnect the AC, you'll crack fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> And that antenna is just really, such, such a really fan. messing up that wind resistance. <laughs> hey, real quick before we uh, before we call it a night, um, three cheap and easy ways to get Jeff's car to run faster than fourteen five driver mod. <laughs> I, that was harsh. Ouch! Ouch! Because he's got he's got the manual transmission now, so I've, he doesn't have to worry about. I never ran it with my manual transmission with all the shifter. Yeah, I was gonna say put the shifter bolts in. I I, I don't see any way any way your Fox shouldn't run thirteen nineties. I think it would probably run low fourteens right now as it is. Um, I don't think it's as fast as the bullet though right now. Um, it needs some uh, it needs something to make it faster. But uh, I bet if I, I took think- it to the track, I could probably break. 143 14 2 something like that that's respectable if you can get like close to close to helmet on something that's coming up on 30 years old yeah and doesn't really have much done to the inside of it you know it's all yeah, pretty pretty mild built stuff. 302 no i yeah. don't know he's got those upgraded Ooh. 19 pound injectors i do i do have the upgraded 19 I, pound I, injectors i bet you <laughs> if you put it you put a cam in it though put a put a cam in it and yeah, I mean, all it really needs is cam, cam, like just, just the triplo top end kit for two grand. And that oh thing yeah, would, it'd run great. Would skedaddle just right. fine. Yeah. If you took the, if you took some weight out of it, meaning just disconnect the subs and and haul them out for the track yeah. run. Yeah. Um, and maybe I do think a cam, even without, you know, much more intake work, because he's got that that intake swap right. done from the Explorer. So I think if he did cam, he took some weight out because he's got the gears. He's got the five yeah. speed. I think he's I almost think so. there. Yeah. Because you don't have to uninstall all the sound system stuff. Just haul that sucker out and leave it in the in the garage for a night. Yeah. It does. It is better for weight transfer, though. So, I mean, you know, you hook. <laughs> yeah, except that weight should be transferred yeah. out of You're the car. You're still hauling it down the track. <laughs> that... 50 pounds yeah. is a tenth and a half right there. So you guys have driven both of my my Mustang and my Chevy. Which one do you think would win in a drag race? Ooh. That's tough. Ooh. You know what? I know the answer to this. Cause because I know where uh where my beamer is relative to my bullet. And I know where your Chevy was relative to the Beamer. I think the Fox has it by mm. two tenths. You think it's that close, huh? Yeah, I think it's decently close. You know what? I think it's close at the at the eighth, but I think the the second half of it, the Chevy's going to actually run out of yeah, run out of legs. Now. Yeah, I think the Chevy would take it off the line, and I know the Fox would reel it in up top, but I just don't know if the Fox would reel it in far enough. 
I that, think it would it would go past it after the eighth because the Chevy's lighter, so it'll get a jump. Yeah, and it and it it hooks really good. Well, I think we need to do, like it, it I think we need to do a track night. We well, the tough part is, is I'm going to have to have like one of you guys drive the car, and then we can do like a Dodge Park run, and then we'll just switch cars, and then you know that'll even out the any driver changes. Well, I'll swing by and I'll pick up one of your cars. We'll go out to uh, Portland International and we'll uh, we'll film uh, doing doing pulls and then switching switching drivers and doing it again. Are they we'll open have, right now? I would I would assume they are under uh, under restrictions because it's a it's a park. It is a Portland probably. Park. I know I know yeah. Firebird is open over here, and I fully plan now that I have everything ironed out and my license is current again. <laughs> I nice. hopefully we'll go be able to go for the last run of the season over here. Uh, so, if I wanted to do autocross with autocross the with, the, with the five series, um, what should I have? What should I have in the garage ready to tires, replace tires, brakes, tie rods? Like, what what do you wear tires, out? Tires, brakes. Um. And if BMW isn't the rear subframe, I would say bushings. The rear subframe bushings need replaced on this one. Uh, the more I read up, um, it'll improve the ride drastically because they are dried out and starting yeah. to crack. Yeah, definitely bushings. You're going to go through tires and brakes more definitely quickly. Hmm. Yeah. All your consumables will go up. Yeah, fuel probably oil changes maybe a little yeah. more often. Yeah, you may want to. Uh, you may want to sort out your fueling situation um, before you start tracking it super hard. But I don't think autocross is quite as hard on your engine as like a road race. Autocross is not bad. And I kind of just want to do it. I kind of want to do it like once a year and just kind of go out and just stretch its legs once a year. But I, I do need to get the the cooling system done. Um, but we are now. Um, just kind of uh, jabbering. So we will let uh, the nice folks go. Um, well, we might continue to jabber, but um, maybe not. Uh, yeah. So this will bring us to the end of our 27th episode of Garage Night. Truly, truly, if, if, if you are still listening, we, we do appreciate it because um, uh, we enjoy doing these, but it's, it's nice to see the numbers going back up uh, just ever so slightly. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to tell you all the ways to, to get a hold of us, but please do um, give us any feedback. Uh, even if it's get good, we can, uh, we can deal with that. Yeah, we do appreciate any feedback you give us. And uh, you know, be sure to check us out on Instagram for some other content. Um, email us at tinydogpodcastnetwork at outlook.com. And uh, be sure to check out the other shows as well. We have uh, bike shows and some other interesting gaming shows and some stuff to check out. So be sure to check those out as well on uh, tinydogpodcast.com. Yeah, our ratings and reviews is a good way to get people to to find us. Um, putting something on Reddit. We are a small show, but we would like to we would like to reach more people. And um, you know, if you want to send in uh, an email about. Uh, your car we'd be happy to to read it and and uh share a picture through instagram because you know that's what this is all about is is uh people's interest in cars um so without any further ado we'll let y'all get on with your day so from all of us here we'd like to wish you a very good night good night everybody good night everybody listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning wrenches son of a you jerk <laughs> had to get up at the end <laughs> it just felt so oh wrong i was like oh why does it just i was on the top board <laughs> What do I say? <laughs> <laughs>
Glorious ball of flame. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Right into the ocean. I'm buying a Reliant Robin. Oh man, I would I would rock a Reliant Robin. I certainly would. You would definitely rock and roll <laughs> yeah. one for sure. Hey. Hey. This- Giant Meteor 2020. I saw one that was great. It was it was beautiful. It was the best sticker I've seen. It was uh, Drugs and Alcohol 2020. Hello and welcome to Garage Night, where I forget what's in the script. Uh, you're Randall, and you're joined by your, by your co-hosts, Jeff. So- Here's the problem. You guys you guys always step on the opening line, so I thought I had time. No, not today. The one time you don't, I don't have the, the tab open. I thought it was great. I thought we were doing good there for a minute. We were on a roll and, and, well, until well, Randy derailed the show. Yeah. 